Y'all, we've got to be prepared for the future. We have got to be prepared for the future. In March, uh, the New Orleans Saints decided that they were going to be prepared for the future. In March, the, the New Orleans Saints decided to spend $7.25 million to sign a backup quarterback for one year. They were going to be prepared. That backup quarterback's name is Teddy Bridgewater. And we'll see this afternoon how those preparations may or may not pay off. Teddy Bridgewater wanted to be prepared for the future. Teddy Bridgewater had an offer to go to be the starting quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. He was going to have a starting job. He was going to get paid more money. And he was going to be in his hometown of Miami. But Teddy Bridgewater said, no, I want to be prepared for the future. So I am going to stay, at least for this year, with the New Orleans Saints. That's, that's, that's really what he said. He said, yes, I want to be a starting quarterback. But again, he was a starting quarterback in Minnesota. He made the Pro Bowl. He said, I want to be a starting quarterback again. But you got to understand, I'm only 26 years old. And there's not a whole lot more valuable than spending another year learning from a Hall of Fame quarterback. There's not a lot more valuable for a quarterback in the NFL than to spend another year studying under Drew Brees. Teddy Bridgewater decided to make a decision that was less successful in March of this year so that he could be more successful in the future. What about us? We prepare for the future. Are you safe for college, for your kids? You have your 401k, your pension plan, your social security, maybe. We prepare. Because we need to be ready for what's going to come. So I ask you this. How prepared are you for that day which will come when you take your last breath and stand before the judgment seat of God. How prepared are you to take your last breath and to stand with nothing Accept your merits before the judgment seat of God. That's what today's gospel is about. Being prepared for the future. Not just for college, not just for retirement, certainly not just for football, but prepared to stand before the judgment seat of God. The parable that Jesus tells today can be a bit confusing, so let me explain it very simply. There was a guy who was a manager. He managed his boss's business. 
He was clearly an incompetent manager. He was not doing a good job. So he got word from his boss that he was going to get fired. Since he was going to get fired, he wanted to set himself up for another job in the future. He wanted to be prepared for the future. However, the way he decided to go about being prepared was this. He called in the people who did business with his boss and he reduced their debts. In other words, he stole from his boss by cooking the books so that somebody would hire this Weasley thieving manager in the future. Jesus does not condemn the dishonesty of the stewards. In fact, He says, the Master will commend the dishonest steward. It's very clear that He is a Weasley thieving manager. That's not good. But, the Master did commend the dishonest steward for what? For His prudence. Because even this wicked man was prepared for the future. And that's the point. Jesus is saying, look, wicked people, people who are only concerned about the things of this world, they prepare for the future. They have their 401ks. They have their savings. They have their pensions. They have their plans. They might have their stocks invested. Whatever they're doing, they are prepared for the future even though they're only thinking about this world. But you, you children of the light, be prepared for the real future. You're going to live 70 years, 80 years, 90 years. So what? Prepare for the day when you take your last breath and stand before the judgment seat of God. And how do we prepare for that day? One way that we must prepare for that day when we stand before the judgment seat of God is this. Make friends for yourselves by unrighteous wealth so that when it fails, they may receive you into eternal dwellings. Okay, Father, that's the answer, but what in the world does that mean? Let me explain. Three things. Dishonest wealth. What does Jesus mean by dishonest wealth? Number two, that they may receive you. Who is they? Who's going to receive us into eternal habitations? And number three, what are those eternal dwellings? Those eternal habitations? Three questions. The first, we'll start with the last one because it's easiest. The eternal dwellings, that's heaven. Jesus is very clear, for example, in the Gospel of John, that a dwelling place is an image for heaven. He says, I go to prepare a place for you in my Father's house. So we are supposed to make friends for ourselves with unrighteous wealth so that when it fails, they may receive us into heaven. Okay, so now what is this unrighteous wealth that Jesus talks about? Well, let's go back to the parable. The steward, the wicked, dishonest, Weasley thieving steward, he 
prepared for the future using somebody else's money. Using his master's money. What about us? All the things that we have. Our houses and our clothes and our vehicles. All the money in our bank account. Whatever investments we have in the stock market. To whom does it belong? Well, surely it's ours. We, we have the use of it. It's our property. We have private property. It's a very good thing. But in the end, to whom does it belong? I'll give you an example. This vestment, this chasuble that I wear, I tell people sometimes that, that it's mine. Oh, because it is. I, I own it. I have possession of it. I use it. And I tell people that it was made by my mom. And it was. My mom made this. But how did she make it? Did she make it? She didn't weave the fabric. She bought that from somewhere. She didn't spin out the thread. She bought that from somewhere else. She didn't make this gold design out of nothing. She got that from yet another place. And then she put it all together and we say that she legitimately made it. What about the person who made the thread? I guess the thread is cotton. Did they grow the cotton? Did the person who made the thread pick the cotton? Or process the cotton? And it's green. How did it get to be green? Cotton's white. Where did the dye come from? How did that come to exist? And we can go on and on and on. The end result is that this vestment, while having touched the hands of many, many people to get to its creation so that I can wear it in the holy sacrifice of the Mass, the vestment in the end comes from God. Because it's God who invented cotton and whatever other stuff this thing is made out of. And it's God who causes the plants to grow and God who causes you and I to have the gifts that we have that make that are able to make the money that we have and the things that we possess. It is God who sustains everything in existence. Everything that we have it doesn't belong to us. It belongs to Him. So make friends with, for yourselves with this unrighteous wealth. In other words, with this wealth that belongs to another. Use your wealth. <laughs> use the wealth that actually belongs to God to make friends for yourselves. That they may receive you into eternal dwellings. Because your wealth will fail. I don't care how much you have. I don't care how smart your investments are. Our wealth will fail because one day we're going to take that last breath and we're going to stand before the judgment seat of God clothed with nothing but our virtues. Clothed with nothing but the merit that we have gained in this life by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Are we prepared for the future? So how do we make friends 
for ourselves with this unrighteous wealth that they may receive us into eternal habitations? Well, we give some of it to them. And who is them? Who are they? It's the poor. We give to the poor. That is not an option for Christians. To serve the poor is a command. To serve the poor is to offer sacrifice for God. The Bible says, for example, in the book of Daniel, that giving to the poor atones for sins. In the early church, the church fathers would say that we come and atone for sins at the altar of the church where we offer the holy sacrifice of the Mass. And at the altar of the poor. No, there's no other way. God revealed himself to St. Catherine of Siena. And as God spoke to St. Catherine of Siena, he told her, He said, Catherine, you are most like me, or you are acting most like me when you give to the poor because they cannot give anything back to repay you. I want to act like God. In fact, I was convicted yesterday as I was praying Mass that I need to do that more. To give more to the poor. To more be like God. Because God gives us everything and we can't offer Him anything in return. And so God says to Catherine, act like me by giving to the poor who can give you nothing back. And that, y'all, is the best possible return on our investment. The Bible says that store up almsgiving. Almsgiving means giving to the poor. Store up almsgiving in your treasury. Forget about money and investments and clothes and boats and camps and cars and all these things, which are good. But forget about that. And store up almsgiving in your treasury. And it will rescue you from all your affliction. And then in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 19, it says this. He who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord. And he will repay him for his deed. Better, better than your financial advisor. Most certainly better than the Social Security Administration. Better than the stock market or than any loan. The best return on our investment is in being kind to the poor. Because in doing so, we lend to God. And God is the only one who can certainly guarantee our repayment. So I challenge us this week, myself included, that's the first one. Ask Jesus, Jesus, how are you calling me to serve the poor? Because I bet for most of us, we need to do more of that. How you serve the poor, that doesn't matter. So long as it's in accord with the teaching of the church. 
If you want to bring money for the second collection next weekend for to serve the poor through the Kamboni missionaries, please do that. If you want to buy some gift cards or buy some granola bars and bottles of water to keep in your car, to hand out to people who you see who are begging on the side of the street if you go to places where people often beg on the side of the street, do that. A few years ago, I knew a family. It was actually a teenager. He was like a junior in high school at the time. He said, I want to collect food and water and go bring it to the people who live under the bridges in New Orleans. And it doesn't have to be in New Orleans. You find the poor people in a whole lot of places. You find people, poor people here in Morgan City in uh, St. Mary Parish. But wherever you go, that's what he did. He was a junior in high school and he got together food and he got together water. And he and his family, the five of them, they spent a whole Saturday in New Orleans. And they just brought food to the poor. They brought them food and water. Maybe socks and things like that. They prayed with them. And that was it. They gave to the poor. Not an option, but a requirement. So how? How are you, how am I going to store up this treasure in heaven? How are you, how am I going to make a loan to God? Let us be wise with that which we have. Let us, even better than the New Orleans Saints, even better than our retirements and then our college savings and everything else, Let us prepare for the future so that when we do take our last breath, so that when we do stand before the judgment seat of God, we may be welcomed into the eternal dwellings of heaven. Amen.